What's up, what's up? You are now listening to FY Fly the podcast, and I'm your host, Hassan Thomas, along with Remy, and we are here to share tools on how millennials can budget, save, invest, and understand student debt and credit to achieve financial freedom. If you're a high school student, college student, or someone who's interested in gaining more financial insight, this podcast is for you. I'm trying to give me a bag. 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 What's up, what's up, my fly folks out there? How y'all doing? I hope y'all doing all right. My name is Hassan Thomas, a.k.a. CEO Sonny. The perfect mix between Dave Ramsey and global entrepreneur Pete Diddy, baby. And I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Make a Play himself, Remy G. What's up, bro? How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good. What's up? What's up? I'm feeling blessed, man. Just another day, another dollar. Let's get it. You already know, man. Well, here at FY Fly, we like to start off our show with a meaningful quote about money. And y'all know this is a show about financial literacy. And financial literacy at its simplest is understanding not only how to budget your money, but being able to save and grow your money effectively and efficiently. So today's quote comes from St. Augustine. The world is a book, and those who do not travel only read one page. So today we'll be talking about travel hacking. We're going to give y'all a little intro on what it is and some ways you can travel for the low. And also we're going to touch on a few ways to save and plan for your trip without blowing your whole bag. Yes, sir. And then we'll jump into our insightful interview with my sister, Miss Sinea Elamine. But y'all may know her as Fly Nance on social media. When I tell y'all she's the real deal, man, I ain't capping. She's been to like 30 plus countries in the last few years while paying little to nothing for her flights. So let's get active. Yeah, I need that. So travel hacking. Travel hacking is using a multitude of ways to significantly reduce or completely eradicate the cost of traveling. Hold on now. Boys been reading the encyclopedia, huh? Hey, chill out. I just had to show the audience I can get down with the best of them now. You know, well-rounded me, baby. But there are many ways you could travel hack. But the players we're going to focus on today are credit card stacking, airline travel reward miles, and online shopping cashback sites. So before we even tap into these certain credit cards that can help you save money on your traveling, please be aware, these type of cards are usually for the 700 club and above. So if your credit score is not that, tap back into our last episode with Haitian CEO and learn some ways to boost your credit. But it's alright though, no judgment, because my score ain't even at a 700 yet. Mine is a 670. So if you're not at that 700 yet, this episode is what you have to look forward to when you hit that 700s and above. And I noticed my boy said when and not if, because we're all on our way to getting our credit right so we can turn OPM, you know, other people's money, into our own money and not have to pay our interest on the major goals in our lives, such as buying a car, buying a house, getting funded for your business, and other things that credit impacts. Facts, General. But once we do reach that 700s club, we have a lot to look forward to. There are really some good credit cards out there that give you special offers that allow you to save money, earn rewards, and cash back. So there are two main types of travel rewards cards. You got cards that are brand specific. These cards give you larger rewards for sticking with a certain brand. That's love, bro. Yes, sir. Loyalty outvalues everything. And then we got general rewards cards. These cards give you rewards on things like gas and groceries, but give you the highest rewards or cash back for travel purchases. One really cool thing about credit cards is most of them come with sign-up bonuses. Some of the bonuses are so big, you can earn a free flight on spot. Hey, son, they got to be careful, though, and make sure they reading that fine print. Yeah, always got to do that. Those cards that give big signing bonuses usually have a required amount of money that needs to be charged on that card before you're eligible for that bonus. So a deal could be like, sign up with this card and receive 100,000 Sky Miles. But if you keep on scrolling down, you'll see free credit eligible only after spending $15,000 in the first three months opening your card. In the first three months? I ain't finna spend $5,000 a month for a free trip to Cancun, boy. Exactly my point. That card not for you, CEO. Sure ain't. One thing about credit cards, we don't ever want to leave a balance on our cards. So if you're going to buy something on your card, make sure you have money on your debit card or in cash so you can pay it off before your statement date. And that's what I'm coming to realize about credit cards, bro. Them joints are not the devil like we was raised to think. If you use them responsibly, they can help you save a lot of money and live a better life. Yeah, bro, for real. Like, if you have a rewards card and you get 3% cash back on gas and 2% cash back on groceries, why would you buy those things with a debit card? Buy it with your credit card and then pay it off immediately because you were going to spend that money anyways. No cap. Another thing to be aware of is to make sure there are no caps on the cash back you earn after spending on your card. Yeah, that and the fees that may come with the card. Some cards waive the annual fee for the first two years. Hey, we need that. 
Another big play that I now regret is not taking advantage of signing up for hotel and airline loyalty rewards programs. I literally been traveling back and forth from Houston to D.C. since I was six. And now I'm finna what? Turn 23? That's 17 years of points I could have been racking up on. Boys would have been traveling during the semester when we was in school. I was doing that regardless, boy. When I stopped playing football spring semester of my junior year, man, I was living. I went to L.A. for the first time, Atlanta, Nashville, back to Houston, went to Miami for spring break. Hey, hey you remember them videos, huh? Hey, chill out, bro. We can't even talk about that on here. You right, you right. My fault, my fault. But Miami stayed lit. But looking back on it, I was wildin'. Do I regret it? No. Would I do it again? Yes. But what I would do differently this time is put money away and create a specific travel fund for those trips I took and save the rest. Because y'all know what our motto is. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you can keep. And you ain't keep none of that. I swear I didn't, bro. Since we're talking about travel funds, we might as well lace our fly folks on ways they can plan for travel that won't break the bank. Yes, sir. Let's do it. So the first step is to price out your trip after using the tricks and hacks you'll learn today. And then you got to think about what you want to do while you're on vacation. Planning is a key part of traveling efficiently. Facts. We are not future or gunner. There ain't no shopping when you land in whatever place you're traveling to. Trying to go with the flow will leave your pockets broke. Whimpering. <laughs> oh, me, bro. Also, do not wait till the last minute to start picking hotels, Airbnbs, and all that. Especially with black people. Bro, whether you're planning early or last minute, it's still going to be difficult to plan with black people. Nah, that's facts, bro. But the earlier, the better. One major thing to do before you take off is create a sinking fund. What's that? So a sinking fund is setting aside a certain amount of money. Could be weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, depending on how soon you need the money. That'll dictate how much you'll need to periodically add to your sinking fund. Okay, so creating a sinking fund really helps because it allows you to continue to meet all of your financial goals. Saving, investing, paying bills and all that. While saving and planning for some fun. I can dig that. Now that you put an actual name to it, we actually have a feature like that on the FY Fly app and website. With this feature, you can actually create goals and set money aside for those goals like traveling, saving for a big expense, and retirement. Yes, sir. We got to set goals and put plays in motion to accomplish those goals. Facts. Because you can't be on the road to riches with no GPS. Uh-huh. Chill out, bro. You got to write that down. Nah, for real. Quote and trademark me, man. But before we slide into our interview with Fly Nance, who's going to go in depth on some different ways we can fly for the low, we got to lace our listeners up on different online cashback websites that give you cash back just for purchasing whatever you're going to purchase anyways. So these type of sites usually give back somewhere around 1% to 7% cash back. But the thing is, you have to start your online shopping with these certain sites and then go to the website you're planning on shopping at. I feel like using these type of sites are really beneficial because you were going to buy it anyway. Why not get some cash back in your pocket after you done spent it? Yes, sir, General. So for all you online shoppers out there, check out sites like Rakuten. That's crazy, because I always heard of Rakuten and never knew what it was. Yeah, bro. All you do is sign up, and when you're shopping online, you do it through their platform. They have like over 2,000 stores to choose from who they partner with. So you can cash out when you reach over $5, and they even give you a free $10 just for signing up. Some other sites y'all can check out are iBotter, Swagbucks, UpPromise, and UpPromise actually allows you to save money for college through their program. So y'all definitely check those sites out and do your personal research. And now we're going to take a quick break with one of our promo partners and slide into our insightful interview with Miss Sinea El-Amin, who is the owner of Flynast. What's up, what's up, my fly folks out there? How y'all doing? I hope y'all doing all right. And today we are speaking with the owner of Flynast, Miss Sinea El-Amin. How you doing? Hello. How you doing? Hey, hey everyone. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm so excited for this conversation. Oh yeah, we're happy to have you here. So tell us a little more about you, your background, and how you started your business. Yes. Yeah, so hey everyone, this is Sania of Finance. I am a debt-free travel and financial freedom content creator based in New York City. I started finance because I was at a point in my life where I was really struggling with my own finances. I was living paycheck to paycheck, living off of credit cards, and really felt like I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life, right? At the same time, as I was looking around at my friends and my peers, a lot of us were having the same struggles. We weren't managing our money well, and we absolutely weren't building wealth. So as I started learning about financial freedom and learning about the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early, I really felt like a conversation was missing. I, I felt like there was 
a conversation missing around wealth building in a way that was encouraging and relatable to people like us. And as someone who has a love for travel, I've been blessed to visit 28 countries across six continents, and I'm only 26 years old. I also felt like there was a conversation missing around travel and money, right? Mm. I would follow amazing travel bloggers who never talked about money. They never talked about the cost of travel, which I felt like was a little bit misleading. And then on the other hand, as I started learning about like paying off debt and following influencers in the personal finance community, I felt like there was a narrative that kind of shamed people for taking vacations or wanting to travel as you were paying off debt or working on other financial goals. So I felt that there was a conversation missing around being able to prioritize the things that bring you fulfillment and joy and happiness while you still work towards your financial goals and showing that it is possible to travel and build wealth, um, that those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. So finance has been around for just about a year, I, I formed my business in 2020 during the pandemic, but it's been amazing to just see how people have really responded well to my message and, and my brand. And I'm just excited to keep inspiring and motivating more Black millennials to, to join me on this journey to build wealth. Definitely, definitely. That's why I was so happy to have you bring you on here, because this is truly what my audience wants to know. We want to know how we can live the life we want without blowing all our bag. <laughs> okay. So so let's jump right in. Can you tell us what exactly is travel hacking? Yes. Yeah, so travel hacking is the really art and science of using travel reward points to offset the cost of your travel. So for me, as someone who is really intentional about wealth building, I want to make sure that the bulk of my cash income can go towards investments that are going to be cash flowing and generate lasting wealth. So to do that and still be able to travel, one way that I do that is by travel hacking, which if you're listening, you're just like, this sounds amazing. And maybe throughout the conversation, you want to learn more, definitely hit me up on Instagram. I actually have a course where I have created a video resource where we talk about all the ways that I've saved for travel on the low, including travel hacking. So in a nutshell, travel hacking is offsetting the cost of your travel by using travel reward points. If you think about a flight may cost $350, but if you have travel reward points with that airline or with the credit card company that has a one-to-one partnership with that airline, you can use points to offset the cost of that $300 flight and significantly lower the price of your flight. So I've been able to travel to multiple countries around the world by travel hacking. You can travel hack your stay, your hotels, you can travel hack airfare, rental cars, experiences. So it's a great way to be able to travel further without spending a ton of money. So before we jump into the credit cards and the travel reward points and different things, what are your thoughts on the negative connotation that surrounded credit cards for us growing up, you know, especially in the minority communities? I absolutely love this question because I do think that a lot of us carry the traumas of, of just not understanding credit, right? And I think it goes, I think it goes even further back. I think generationally, when you think about how predatory the credit industry has been for black communities, right? The fact that, you know, in in communities of color, folks are more likely to pay more in interest, are more likely to have loans and credit options that really don't help them ever be able to pull themselves out of that consumer debt. Mm -hmm. It's totally understandable why, especially as millennials and Gen Zers, we still continue to carry those traumas, right? No one ever sat us down to say, this is how credit works and it's nothing to be afraid of, right? Unless you happen to have that aunt, that uncle, or that parent at home or that grandparent at home, very few of us actually got that information as we were coming up, right? So maybe we got to high school and college and you know saw credit card options for the first time and just thought, whoa, this feels like free money, right? But we yeah. know that that's not how credit works. So I think I'm on a mission with finance to show that you know, just because we have maybe inherited these generational traumas around credit and around personal finance, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that that has to dictate where we go. Credit can be a super beneficial tool to help you offset travel, to help you get capital for your business, to help you get capital to invest in other investments. So I think that we have to shift our mindset around credit and see it as not something to be afraid of, but really understanding how our peers, our peers in other communities have leveraged credit to get the benefits that they need without putting them in financial holes. And I know it's possible for us. 
So can you tell us about the biggest and best ha travel hack that you've done so far? Oh, this is a good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've, I've had a couple good travel hacks recently. We so, need the number um, one. We need the top, the top one. <laughs> uh, oh, the top one. So, you know, I will say the top, the top travel hack is probably that I am probably consistently flying abroad. And this is pre and during um, COVID-19. I've been consistently flying abroad for about a hundred dollars um, round trip. So that's crazy. When, you think about right and and you know it's funny because i was just looking up the statistic in 2019 black americans spent over a hundred billion dollars on leisure travel right so when you think about that and and that study actually this was a study done by a market research intelligence group they found that on average black americans are spending about six hundred dollars per overnight stay so that's mm. a lot of money in my opinion that's a lot oh, of money yeah. to just be traveling leisurely right and we know a black folk like it, this, we're not talking about a luxury vacation to Morocco or to a foreign country. We're probably talking about maybe a domestic trip, right? But if you don't know the ways to travel for the low, then it's very easy to overpay, overpay when you're traveling, right? So I think one of the best hacks that I've been doing is that I've been consistently flying for about $100 or less round trip by leveraging credits and by leveraging travel reward points. So I literally just went to Mexico a couple months ago and flew round trip for $100 on major airlines, on Delta, on, on American Airlines, right? And how I was able to do that is by travel hacking. I travel hacked one leg. So literally my flight from JFK to Cancun cost me about 7,000 Delta Sky Mile, which is not a lot. Actually, that that is the equivalent of an $84 flight plus taxes and fees. So I paid $50 in taxes and fees and I only used 7,000 Delta Sky Miles points to fly from New York across the border to Mexico, right? To Cancun. Uh -huh. And then I was on the beach, right? And then in terms of flying back, leveraging credit. So when you understand how travel reward cards work, you can also learn about different offers and credits that may be available to you just because you have that card in your wallet, right? So for example, anyone who has an American Express card, you may have seen Amex offers, which is a great way to just get money off of your purchases. And what I ended up doing was I used a credit. It was, the credit was you would get $200 off if you spent $200 or more. So the flight that I was looking for was $250 one way. What I ended up doing was booking it with the card that I had through American Express Travel. They took $200 off that flight price. So a $250 flight became $50. So you put them together. I spent $50 on one leg, $50 on the other leg to fly round trip on Delta and American Airlines from New York City to Mexico. So, and and I've been consistently doing that. I've done that to Colombia. I've done that to the Dominican Republic. I've done that to Antigua and Barbuda, right? So I think a lot of times we don't know that these things exist, but, you know, and I think that's why I love to share these hacks on finance and through my course where, you know, I love to show people that we don't have to pay so much money to travel, right? That money can go towards other things, right? That fl Those flights easily could have cost me 500 300 to $500, right? So with that extra money, I could easily put that towards other expenses on my trip or save and pocket that money, put that into investments, put that into, you know, something, maybe my like real estate fund, put that into my emergency fund, put that into whatever I want, right? That's the beauty of learning how to travel for the low. And that's why I'm so passionate about continuing to share this information because I think too many of us overpay to travel and allow travel to put us into debt. And I just don't believe that that we should continue to to do that when this information is readily available. Big facts, because those were some big plays you did. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. And that's just light work. That's not even like, I mean, we could talk about ways that you can literally travel hack an entire trip, like not spending hardly anything to fly. And, and I'll, I'll also say that as a traveler, I'm more so like about maximizing my value. So I'm trying to get as many trips as possible and that may mean flying economy. But we can also talk about ways that like, if you want to fly business class and first class, like there are ways to do that, right? You might be getting on planes and looking at people and might think, oh, they got to be rich to be able to afford a $10,000 flight around the world first class. But yeah. a lot of times these people just know how to use credit, right? They have personal credit that they're using. They have business credit that they're using. And when you're getting points from all of these different sources, you can easily earn hundreds of thousands of points to be able to 
literally travel in luxury and not mm. spend not nearly what it costs. So that's what I'm so excited and passionate to keep showing people that this information is out there. It's just we didn't know about it. Exactly. So can you explain the term stacking and what that is for us? Yeah. So stacking, we're kind of getting more into like the travel hacking world. So stacking is really the process of layering rewards to maximize value. So we've already talked a little bit about travel hacking and how you can just like earn points to be able to offset your travels, right? When it comes to stacking, that is literally like saving cash then and now, mm. and also being able to figure out ways to earn additional points so that you have more points to travel off of. So when it comes to stacking, I think of it like a pancake. Like we all, like a stack of pancakes, right? We all have been to IHOP. We know where uh -huh. we need to get a stack of pancakes, right? <laughs> you can think of like the plate, the foundation as as the portals that you use. So a portal is essentially a website that you're gonna use before you go to that, that online store or wherever you're trying to online shop that's gonna give you the reward automatically. So Rakuten is a great example of that. A lot of folks probably have heard of that. It's like literally a Chrome uh, plugin that you can get anytime you're on like Gap.com, Adidas, Fashion Nova, Forever 21, whatever, wherever you're shopping, wherever you're spending money, it will just like light up and say, hey, you can get $10 cash back when you shop here. You can get $3 cash back when you shop here. That's a great way to literally just start getting value without having to do anything. Literally, just by clicking the link and shopping through those portals, you get value. And Rakuten is also great because they'll also give you American Express membership reward points. So if you online shop a lot, you can easily earn tens of thousands of points to be able to turn that into free travel by literally not doing anything. So that's your portal. Your stack of pancakes, that's where mm. you're shopping. So whether it's like you know exactly what store you want to shop at or maybe a flexibility. For example, Mother's Day came around and I wanted to order flowers for my mother and my grandmother. So I had a choice to make. It was like, okay, if I don't really care what florist I use, right? They're all pretty much the same. When it comes to stacking, I'm going to be intentional about what online floral merchant is going to give me the best reward. So what I ended up doing was I picked the florist that had the biggest cash back on Rakuten, right, in the portal. But then I also used one that was going to give me the most rewards on the credit card that I wanted to use. So by having an American Express card, there were certain merchants that were going to give me even more value, which we'll talk about. So that's the pancake, being intentional about where you're online shopping. Your syrup, right? Because nobody likes dry pan pancakes. Your Thanks. syrup are going to be like your promo code. So if you think about when you, anytime you go into a website for the first time or like an online store for the first time, they usually will say, hey, give us your email and we'll give you 15 or 10% off, right? That's yep. an easy way to get extra money, right? If you shop through a portal, you're getting cash back. You're getting additional cash back or money off of your purchase because you're getting a promo code, right? Then you can also use other sites like, like Honey, I bought an app or you know retail me not you can literally just google coupon and the store name and see if any promo codes come up that's just another way to get added value right then you think about like that butter on top right because most of the time we have pancakes you don't have butter on top of the pancakes right <laughs> that butter which is like it's not required but it's a nice to have would be an offer so i already talked, talked a little bit about this but whatever credit card you're using if you use if you decide to use a travel rewards card most of the times they're going to have offers built into it. So Chase has offers, City has merchant offers, Capital One has offers, and also Amex has offers. So back to the example I told you in terms of the florist, because I chose, I was strategic about the merchant I use, there was actually an Amex offer for Teleflora. That's the one I ended up going with. They were like, we will give you points for it. every time you spend $50 at this florist, we're going to give you extra points or we're going to give you extra money off. So that just sweetens the deal. If I'm already getting money because I'm using the portal, now I'm getting more money off because I'm using a promo code, and now I'm getting even more value because there's an offer attached to it. That is how you stack. Stacking Makes is just sense. about saving as much money as possible to get more rewards. So what, do, what would you say are the top three credit cards for travel hacking, in your opinion? So I think this is a great question, but I think it really depends on your lifestyle. I think if you are just getting started, you should absolutely think about starting with the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. Why I say you should start with Chase is because the Chase Sapphire Preferred is a pretty flexible travel rewards card. You're going to get points anytime you travel and anytime you eat. In addition to built-in travel benefits like insurances and other benefits that you probably just aren't thinking about that may come up 
you know, when things happen when you're traveling. But what's also great about the Chase Sapphire preferred card is it's not super expensive. Like the annual fee is like under $100. So it's more or less affordable for a lot of us. Another reason why I say to start with Chase is because Chase actually has a published 524 rule. So as a bank, Chase will not approve you if you have five or more inquiries in the last 24 months for a new line of credit. They do this to stop people who are considered quote unquote gamers. So people who just open up, you know, dozens of cards at a time to just get as many value and they're, they're not really spending on the card. That's mm. why Chase instituted that rule. So that's why I'm saying if you're just getting started, mm. I think Chase is a great way to start. On the Amex side, if you, you know, I love American Express. I love American Express points and the customer service there. I think a great card to start off with is either the American Express gold card or the American Express green card. Again, it depends on your lifestyle. If you eat out a lot, if you are at restaurants, you're ordering takeout a lot, I think the gold card is a great card for you because you're getting four times the points anytime you spend anything on food, grocery, restaurants, takeout, Uber Eats, Seamless, Grubhub. And then there's just so many other credits that come on the Amex Gold Card. This is the last year you can get $100, just automatic free money towards an airline of your choice. That's how I've literally never paid baggage fees is because I've always had this airline fee credit. What else are you getting? They started rolling out $100 a year for Uber. So you're just getting automatic credit for Uber. And that offsets the cost of that annual fee. The annual fee on the gold card is $250. But then I think the green card is another great option if you're just getting started. That's actually the card that I have right now just because I'm just kind of like, I'm not really doing a lot of eating out. I'm just kind of like, whatever. So the green card is a great card because you're getting three times the points anytime you travel. So anytime I'm booking a flight, a plane ticket, a train ticket, a bus ticket, a taxi, uh, whatever, I'm going to use that green card because I'm going to get three times the points. And why all this matters is because you want to be strategic about the travel reward card that you use when you're getting started. You want to make sure that like anytime you're buying things to kind of fit those categories, you're going to use the card that's going to give you the most value. Now, on the other hand, if you're more advanced, if you have credit, if you are kind of familiar with these processes, I would definitely say you can't go wrong with Chase Sapphire Reserve. That is a more expensive card. The annual fee is over $400, but there are a lot of benefits that you get with that card, like a $300 travel credit that during COVID, they even let you use that towards like groceries and other things. So that's just like free money you're getting just for having the card. And then Amex Platinum, a lot of people love the Amex Platinum card because you're getting lounge access, which may not be as much as relevant of a thing now because of COVID, but you're getting lounge access. You're getting five times points on any travel you book with an airline. You're getting like all of these added benefits. You're getting like $120 towards Uber a year. You're getting like that metal card. But I mean, the annual fee on that card is over $500. So that's why I say it really depends on where you are, your lifestyle, what you can afford. But I definitely think if you're just getting started, Chase Sapphire Preferred and Amex Green are great examples. If you are out there and you're listening, I would love to, you know, help you figure out a card that works. So DM me, I would love for, I'd love to recommend you to a card. And that's a way that you can like support me. If you are listening, you're just like, oh, this sounds great. I want to get a travel rewards card. Please hit me up. I would love to direct you through links. I'm actually an affiliate for Miles Value, which is a credit card affiliate company. And that's a way that you can support me and the work that I'm doing is by opening up your card through through my link. So definitely hit me up if you have questions um, about those cards. But I would think that's where you start. But I want people like us to know these things, to have this information. So again, click the link in my bio, at fly.nance on Instagram, and check out my course because it's an affordable resource created by us for us to really just like take out some of the like confusion and myths around travel hacking. How do you get started? How do you do it without putting yourself into debt? How do you earn points without spending a ton of money? Because I think that's also a misconception that like, oh, well, if I'm trying to get hundreds of thousands of points, like I have to be spending a ton of money. That's mm. not true. And I show you some ways that you can do it that you may not even, you know, know exists. So, so yeah, that's where I would say to start. Okay. So that was a super long answer, but uh, <laughs> no, the, like you said, that's information we need to know. Cause we really don't know that it's out there. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because I remember one time I was traveling spirit and they tore me up on those baggage fees. Oh, yes. They, they tore me up. So I'm glad that you said that because I think with budget airlines, there are a couple ways that you can hack even flying on budget airlines. I would recommend that like if you are someone who is like going to fly Spirit, there are a couple things you can do. One, invest in an under seat bag. So when you have an under seat bag, 
you can probably fit at least a weekend's worth of clothes. Actually, this is something I learned from my girl, uh, Nika of traveling with Nika on Instagram. Mm. She invested in under seat bags. So she flies on spirit often. She, you know, flies internationally on spirit and everything. When you have an under seat bag, it actually can fit under the seat in front of you. So you're not charged to have a carry on or a bag. They let you bring an under seat bag through for free, right? Because most people are not thinking about this, right? An under seat bag, you can roll it and everything. You can probably fit about a weekend's worth of clothes or more, depending on, you know, how much you're trying to pack in an under seat bag and then not even pay a baggage fee. Another way to hack Spirit Airlines and budget airlines like that is to buy the ticket at the airline counter. So that's another thing that she taught me. When you buy a Spirit ticket online, you're char- you're being charged like a convenience fee to buy online. Now, if you're someone who's going to plan in advance, as soon as that ticket is available, meaning you do not have to wait until right before you travel or the night before you travel, as soon as that ticket is available, try to go to the airport and buy the tickets in person. Nika taught me this as well. You can easily save 50% or more on those tickets, right? Because every time you're buying a one-way on Spirit, for example, you're getting charged about 23 to $30 in those convenience fees that go away when you buy in person. So those are two ways to hack Spirit. I'm glad that you said that because you can also hack budget airlines by doing those things. So is that something that Spirit just has where you can better to buy in person? Buy in is person. That- yeah. So it's just on like budget airlines like Spirit okay. and Frontier. Major airlines don't have that, don't have that convenience fee. So you don't get that, but but definitely an underseat bag is a great thing to have, right? If you fly United often, because United also be doing that thing with basic economy where um, they charge you to have a carry-on, an underseat bag is a great example because you can just fit it under. You're not going to get charged. And again, if you're packing light and being strategic, you can fit a good amount of things in an underseat bag and then save that, what, I think it's like $35 one way, save that $80 so it can go towards other things. I think it would be good for you to do some content on how to pack for some people. That would probably that's be good. That's good. Yeah. No, I'll think about that. That's a good idea. That's, that's <laughs> definitely a good idea. So as far as budgeting and saving, how can we add a travel fund to the list of other things that we're already saving and paying for? That's a great question. For me, a travel fund is a non-negotiable because I am someone who prioritizes travel. I love to travel. And just based on where I was in my finances when I got started with this journey, I was living paycheck to paycheck. So for me to not get into debt, having a travel fund was a game changer because I was, for the first time, saving towards something that like I was going to do anyway, but I wasn't going to have to just rely on credit cards to get there. So In terms of budgeting, I think one is figuring out a system that works for you in terms of being able to budget. If you're a pen and and paper type of person, if you're somebody who likes to use apps like you need a budget or mint or whatever, it's about finding a system that works with you. And sometimes it's about trial and error, right? Budgets are meant to be malleable. They're meant to change. They're meant to be flexible, right? I think a lot of times why we have this like idea that like we can't budget or we can't track our money is because I think we've been, I think we've internalized this idea that like it has to be perfect. It has to be whatever, but that's just, that's not how life works. Right. So I think if you're thinking about starting to have a travel fund, it start with what you can, right? When you do that budget and sit down, look at like really sit down and look at in the last three months, what have you spent on everything? Right. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we think we spend in one thing, And then when you turn around and actually add up everything you spent, maybe you spent way more than you think on on food. Maybe you went to a store and bought groceries, but then it's like, well, dang, I did eat out, you know, eight times last month, right? If you can cut back in some of those ways, that easily frees up money that can become part of your travel fund. So I think it, it really requires you to actually be realistic with where you are, where you're at, right? And that's why I don't recommend just kind of like, saying, oh yeah, just gonna throw out a number and start saving, you have to be realistic with where you're at, right? And being able to say, all right, I spent $600 just eating out last month, for example. I'ma say, I'ma give myself, I'ma say, we can still eat out, but let's try to do 450 or less. So I'm I'm going to say that $150 that I was spending last month on food, I'm going to put that into a travel fund. And one way that I sneakily budget without even trying is automating that withdrawal. So if you're getting a consistent paycheck, you can automatically have money go from your paycheck into your travel fund. That's what I do. I don't even see the money. So it never goes into, you know, it never goes into the money that becomes like what I'm spending every day or what becomes my bill money. 
So then I don't have to worry about feeling like, dang, like I knew I wanted to save for that. And now I spent the money on something else, right? When it's automatically going into a separate online savings account or checking account, you don't see it. So that means that your money can just grow. You're not even thinking about it. And so you log on and just like, oh, dang, I got $600 in here. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's how you do it. Right. It's a one. It's about finding that system that works for you in terms of how you're going to track your money. Be realistic with what you spent in the last three months because you can't just throw out a number. You can't just say, yeah, I'm going to spend $200 on groceries. And you have historically been spending way more than that. Right. You have to start with where you're at. And then I think three is automating your savings to your travel fund, setting up a separate account that you don't see. I highly recommend Charles Schwab. That's what I use for my travel fund because there are no fees attached to it. You get a debit card and there are no ATM or foreign transaction fees. So what I do is literally every time I get paid, the money just goes into the travel fund. I don't see it. And then when I'm ready to travel, I just take out my debit card. And spend it. I can log on and say, wow, I got $1,800 in here because I've just been saving in the background and didn't even touch the money, right? So that is what prevents you from having to travel with debt. That's what prevents you from being able to not be able to pay down your balances when you're going to use a travel reward card because I didn't say this before, but absolutely, you don't carry a balance when you're using these travel reward cards. If you're going to open up a platinum card, a Chase Sapphire preferred card, whatever, you can't carry a balance. Like, that literally is working backwards. So like, I don't, I do not promote that. And my course, I don't promote that on my page at, at all. As someone who is a recovering overspender and who paid off $23,000 of debt in 2020, I know that it's possible, right? I was someone who always was just swiping and didn't even look at it. Don't even check my account, which is like overdraft and all of this. Like I was in such a sunken place in my money. So I know it's possible. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes you being realistic and real with yourself. And sometimes asking for help if you need it, but it can be done, you know, like you don't have to travel with debt. And I think automating your travel fund savings is, has been a way that has helped me continue to travel even as I was paying off debt. And even now, like, right, like being debt free, mm. knowing that I have a system in place that's not going to put me back into debt. Definitely. I, I agree 100% with yeah. the automated savings you and automated anything? investing. Hassan, because I know you talk about this often. So would you add anything in terms of like, if you are brand new to travel funds, like how to even get started, would you add anything? No, I think you really hit up everything. I'm just in full agreement with that automated savings and automated investing because I love checking my account and be like, dang, I got, like you said, I got $1,800 here. I didn't even know, (laughs) you know what I mean? From either where there's acorns or, you know, in another investing account. So I'm very, very strong with the automated savings. I I push that a lot. So yeah. is there is there a difference between a sinking fund and a travel fund, or is that the same thing? It's the same thing, yeah. A, sinking, okay. a travel fund is a form of sinking fund. A sinking fund is essentially just like any account that you're going to say that you're, you're giving yourself a deadline and a goal to save for. So people create sinking funds for, you know, a, down, a home down payment, real estate investing. You might create a sinking fund uh, to buy stocks. You might create a sinking fund to buy yourself a luxury item, you know? So like that's the freedom and having like, and being able to automate your savings and having a budget that actually reflects your lifestyle is that like, nobody's saying you can't spend your money on whatever you want to. Like, I don't promote that. Like, that's why I created finance because I was sick of people telling people like, oh, you shouldn't be spending your money on that. Oh, if you're doing this, like, what's, what is that about? Like as black folk, we already have enough stuff we got to worry about. Now you're going to shame me for how I choose to spend my hard earned money. No, I'm not with it. But when you have a budget that's saying, okay, if I want that Louis Vuitton bag, if I want them Balenciaga sneakers, then I'm either going to be hustling harder to say every month I'm trying to put $250 into that Balenciaga account, or I am going to cut back on expenses to say, all right, every month I'm just putting $75 away so that by Christmas I can buy myself the bag that I want, right? It's about, I mean, that is how you build wealth. It's about exactly delaying instant gratification for those bigger rewards, those bigger bags, right? Because you, then you might realize with that $5,000, you might say, do I want to buy this bag now? I might <laughs> just put this into, you know, I might just like put this into the market and let this like sit for a Bro, couple months. work for you. Exactly. Let me get some of the like gains back from that. And then maybe I, you know, so I, I think it totally shifts your mindset around it. And I think for me, someone who was an emotional spender, right? I was spending because I wasn't dealing with all the other crap I needed to deal with, like in terms Mm. of my mental health. 
and my emotions that like creating that discipline for myself to say, if this is something that I want and really am going to prioritize, I have to work up to it, helped me start to realize like, okay, anytime I'm spending money, is this a need or is this a want? Do I really need this in this moment or can I delay this, right? Because oftentimes when you delay it, right, you might find a better deal, right? Even when it comes to luxury things, like I follow all these pages on Instagram that literally just show people deals on like how to buy Gucci, Louis, all these things that a lot of us want for the low, right? But if you've been saving for it, then you don't have that same kind of impulse, right, to like just flex and buy it. Same with travel. I think a lot of times people feel like, especially pre-COVID, was just like, oh, well, it's a cheap flight. I'm going to just buy it. If you don't have the money saved... You may be putting yourself in a hole just to get a cheap flight. That's working backwards. You know, like I I just, I've been there. I know what that's like. Like it feels like you're getting a deal, but there is no deal that is worth putting yourself into tens and thousands of dollars of debt. Trust me. Like it's not. No deal is worth that. I know you, I know last year you officially became debt free. So congratulations on that. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I love to hear it. So what was it about? Why was it so important for you to become debt free right now? I love this question. Okay, I got to give it to you because these are like amazing interview questions. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for this conversation. So it really goes back to 2018, 2019. That was when I learned about the financial freedom. I learned about financial freedom. I learned about financial independence and the FIRE movement. And for anyone who's listening that's not familiar with the FIRE movement, That is a movement of everyday earners like you and me and anyone listening saying that we are going to be multimillionaires in our lifetime and we are going to build wealth in an optimized way that will continue to generate income for us so that we can retire early and actually pass down assets to the next generation and beyond, right? This idea that if you live below your means and are investing half or more of your income into savings and investments that will generate revenue and an income for you in the future that you can actually live off of those returns for the rest of your life. You know, we can get into more in terms of what that fire movement looks like. But when I learned about this, and when I actually started to see people that look like me doing this, I was just like, Oh, bet this is it. I was so tired. Like I had only been working for a few years. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like I cannot work until I'm 65. Like this whole idea of like retirement age being 65 is a myth. Right. Retirement is based on when you have enough money in terms of financial freedom to exit. Right. To exit the game, to exit that corporate lifestyle, to exit that nine to five. That is what retirement is. And for me, I'm I am on a pathway to significantly reduce the amount of years that I have to work so that I can retire early so that I can focus my time on whatever the hell I want to. Right. I don't have to clock and report to nobody. Right. (laughs) If I want to pick up myself. And move wherever. If I want to say, yo, I want to really get into politics and now I have the time to camp it. Like, that is what the beauty of financial freedom is. It is truly having ultimate freedom and control over your time. And I just don't believe that we should have to work until we're 65 to, to experience that, right? And then, you know, so so I learned about this and learned, wow, in order to get to where I need to be in terms of FIRE, and really start to have like those significant in- investment amounts, right? And, and really start to build that portfolio. Debt is going to be keeping me back, right? Debt eats into your wealth. It, it eats into your ability to build wealth. So when you have debt, when you are paying, literally paying back things that your past self made, that is stopping you from being able to get that future growth. So for me, I started working with a financial advisor actually in 2019. And after a few months of working with him, I felt like, okay, I I feel like for the first time I am able to see that like with my money, I can do a lot more with it than I was doing, right? He was able to sit me down and talk to me about my goals and where I wanted to be. And I realized like, wow, there were so many things that I was not doing with my money because I wasn't tracking it. I was just spending it so fast. So when I learned about FIRE and had been working with him and working with my budget for a few months, I really felt like, wow, if I really sit down and do this, I could become debt-free next year. Like that that's what I told myself. Like I could become debt-free next year. I don't know how mm. I'm gonna do it, but I feel like it's possible. So what that means now is, right, if we go back to 2018, like I've been saying, when I started my debt-free journey, my minimum payments were about $600 a month. I had a personal loan that was about $500 a month that I had to pay to be current on it, right? And I had student loans, that were about $100 minimums. And that's on top of credit cards, right? Because I'm telling you, I was living off of credit cards. So every wow. month when I get paid, it was like, I'm just trying to pay back credit cards from last month, right? 
was literally in a cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. So I knew that if I was debt free and I didn't have none of this, all my money was mine, then that meant that every time I get paid, once my bills are paid, this mm. stack of money, That's I can do whatever you. I want with it. <laughs> you know, I can do whatever I want with it. Or if I'm really if I'm really committed to this fire movement, I can put the bulk of that into investments, right? And then when I started to see other people doing it, it started to become infectious. Like I want to see myself get to 100K invested. I want to see myself get to that $250 net worth. I want to see myself become, you know, a millionaire in this decade, right? So that became what was powering me instead of just feeling like, wow, this debt is holding me back. That that's why I really felt the urgency for me to pay it off. And and I think it also comes with privilege. I I'm I am always first to acknowledge that I had a lot of privilege in saying that. In terms of my debt, I only had $23,000. Yes, that is not a small chunk of change. Most of us don't have $23,000 just sitting around, right? But I didn't have six figures of debt, right? I didn't have over $100,000 of debt. And I also am a high earner. So Mm. it also, for me, wasn't an income problem. It was a spending problem. So I also acknowledge that. And I really felt that like discipline was the point that was missing for me, not income, not ability, not opportunity. So I felt like, at this point, you holding yourself back. That's what I told myself. I was holding myself back. So mm. I needed to dig deep, get the discipline to get out of debt so that I could start to do some of the other things that I wanted to do. So at that time you were paying off that debt, were you still investing and saving or like, how did you balance all? Of- By having a budget that worked, that made sense for me in terms of how I was able to manage. I talk about this on my page. I have a money map. So when I think about where my money goes, I mm. have different accounts and systems based on my goals. So. My everyday money flows into account that only goes onto one debit card. I know that like when I'm picking up my Chase debit card, this is my everyday money. What's no money on that? I guess we're not spending no more for the month until we get yeah. paid again, right? <laughs> Period, right? Yeah. Then the bulk then the bulk of my money would flow into a bill and debt account. So once I paid all my bills, what was left because I was I was using a zero based budget. So I wanted to get all of my money yes, down ma'am. The to zero, zero based. I want to get every dollar a job, right? So Mm -hmm. with a zero-based budget, once I pay my bills, whatever was left, that went to debt. And then how I was doing it with, in terms of investing was, I really wasn't, I I wasn't going out of my way to invest. So what I was doing was I was focusing on the accounts that were readily available to me. So with my job, I have an employer-sponsored 401k plan. I was just investing the 6% to get the match. It's money that was already part of your compensation. If you're not investing in your 401k or your employer-sponsored retirement account, you are pretty much not taking advantage of money that's rightfully yours. Like, we say free money, but no. Actually, we should think of it as, like, that's your money. Like, your employer (laughs) is making this money available. Literally, just turn it on. And and so that was how I was investing. I really wasn't investing in stocks, even when the market was doing whatever. Like, I was, you know, I, I I wasn't allowing that to, like, dictate how I was feeling because I'm known that, like, I'm focused on other things right now. Like when I, when the time is right, then I will have, you know, more income to be able to do other things. And then in terms of the savings, again, we talked about this, but automating my savings. So saying for myself, where do I want my emergency fund to be? Where do I want my travel fund to be? And just making that money go. I will also say that I'm finance. So I also was like intentional about the fact that I want my money to do more things and just pay down debt. That's mm-hmm. why I created finance. That's what I vehemently believe so for me it was also like i could have been out of debt sooner than 12 months but that also would have meant that i wouldn't have been able to save for travel that meant i wouldn't have been able to take two vacations in 2020 that meant i wouldn't have been able to save for an emergency fund right so it also was about finding that balance for me so it's definitely possible to balance paying off debt saving and investing it's just about having that system and that budget that works for you yeah, I got to touch back on that zero-based budget. See, that's why I said yes. we was on the same way because yes. that's that's the budget I use. You know, we, we are the same way with those ETFs, those REITs, FlyNanced, FY Fly. <laughs> A lot of synergies. So what I'm about for you? How do you, how do you, even in your zero-based budget, how do you balance, you know, kind of multiple financial priorities at once? So me personally, I take every time I get a check, every time, because I just started working at Wells Fargo, actually. 
So okay. now I'm not having to do the little DoorDash on the side, you know, those different things. So with this um, Wells Fargo check, I'm splitting my money into a Roth IRA. I opened one up with Fidelity. I'm splitting my okay. money into a high yield savers account. Now I'm looking into, you know, the cryptocurrencies and different things. I'm about to tap in with Coinbase. So it's okay. just like we said, that zero based budgeting, giving our money, you know, actual destination. All right. So, okay. Now you didn't heard it from two of us. So, you know, it's definitely possible depending on your financial goals. You absolutely can create pathways to be able to do multiple things at once. I love it. Definitely. Definitely. So put yourself in my audience shoes. You're in high school, okay. college. You just graduated. What are your next money moves right now in this current climate we're in? Absolutely. I think the money move would be what you just said. It's having that Roth IRA. I think anyone who had, if you have gotten a paycheck in your lifetime, if you've ever had a pay stub, even if it was from a student job, you know, a work study job, you can open up a Roth IRA. And what's great about a Roth IRA is that the money that you put in and the growth that you get on that money is tax free. Like that mm -hmm. is, you know, we're not just talking about building wealth. We're talking about building wealth like wealthy people do. And what wealthy people do is they put their money into tax optimized systems so that when they ready to take that money out, they're not getting hit with, with taxes, right? Tax the, the US federal tax system is meant to honor owners, owners of businesses and owners of, right? And when you own stocks, you're an owner of a business, right? It benefits owners and it punishes workers. So that's why I say getting that Roth IRA, I would highly recommend that to anyone. And you know, when I think about someone like, like my friend Evie of The Money Savant on Instagram, she has over a $250,000 uh, $250, net worth. She just turned 25. And how she was mm, able wow. to do that, it was in college, she opened up a Roth IRA and just started putting money in that Roth IRA. So it's like, you get birthday money, you get Christmas money, maybe you working your little side hustles, maybe you selling some stuff and getting some money, just start to put a little in there, right? What the beauty of also an IRA is that the contribution limit is only about $6,000 for 2021. So that's not a ton of money when you think about if you just getting started, that's about $250 a month. If you just getting started, you, in, you 18, 19, 20, 21, $200 a month. And I know that could feel like a lot of money, but like, trust me, I know some people out here, some Gen Zers that are making more than that on TikTok, okay? <laughs> that are making more than that, you know? like No, honestly, for real though. For truly. Real. Or thinking about birthday money. Like I just saw the headline of the little 10 year old boy who had gotten some money from Kwanzaa and put that into stocks and like, was up like a lot, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so I think a Roth IRA would be my next money move because you get, when you're getting in early as you are making lower income, you just have such a longer runway to be able to put your money tax-free into those accounts and grow that money. And the beauty of a Roth IRA is that five years of making consistent contributions, once you hit that fifth year, you can actually withdraw that money tax-free and put that into other assets. So my girl Gianni, um, one of my college friends, her handle is at first gen money musings. She literally took money out of her IRA to put that into a mixed use property. She is now getting a paycheck as a landlord yes, because she took money out of that account to buy some assets and was able to put that money back in from the growth of her assets. So like I would say that's, that's, that's my money move. That's what anytime I talk to people who are in high school or college, I would just say, yo, sit down with your parents and figure out how you can open up a Roth IRA today like make that your money move it's not about nothing else it's a roth ira once you got that roth ira we invested in low cost right what we said low cost index funds and etfs yes, that track the s p 500 the nasdaq the dow jones right these indices that are continuing to rally right i mean looking at over the over course years of the, <laughs> over years over the course of 90 year history this u.s stock exchange has been trading it has been up on average 10 percent annualized returns like you can't get that kind of <laughs> consistent growth anywhere else you know like so i i would definitely say that's my money move what would you say I would say right now, my actual my first money move for 2021 is going to be investing into life insurance. I actually interviewed yes. a, a life insurance broker for season two, and yeah. he told me about this type of life insurance called cash value life insurance. So okay. I'm, I'm about to definitely tap into there because there's this one called IUL. So IUL, you can invest yeah. into those index funds like yeah. we were talking about through the life insurance and then get that back on the back end. So... That's going to be one of my first moves for this first quarter is definitely tapping into that life insurance. I love it. No, I love it.
Oh yeah, because and then I even heard you know once if once you get it when you're younger, you'll pay a much lower fee than even at thirty or or a little bit older. It's gonna rise up to like six hundred a month, seven hundred a month. So yeah. it's definitely best to tap in now while we can get it for two hundred, two hundred and fifty a month instead yeah. of waiting a little older. And then you know some 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 health issues may pop up you know when you're thirty yeah. and then they'll go try to charge you six hundred, seven hundred dollars. So yeah. definitely definitely that life insurance. Awesome. That's awesome. Most deaf. So I have one more question for you. Okay. Yes, Rev. So I'm going to read you two quotes, and you have to tell me which quote is more accurate in your opinion. You ready? Ooh, okay. <laughs> All right. So my first quote is, money can't buy happiness. And my second quote is, more money, more problems. Which one is more accurate in your opinion? I'm going to say that I do not agree with money can't buy you happiness. And here's why. When money is used correctly, it is a tool. And Thanks. tools can absolutely help you build towards things that absolutely bring you joy and fulfillment. For me, money is literally the thing that's keeping me from financial freedom, right? It's keeping me from freedom. That's, that's what keep, is keeping me from freedom. It's like I don't have enough money invested to be able to say F this job or to be able to say, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I don't feel like taking this fall today, right? So... When I think of the phrase money can't buy you happiness, I think sometimes it's used in a cliche way, but I think absolutely, right? When we're talking about, I was just looking up the statistics actually. In 2019, black women who were employed full-time, 25 years and older, the median annual wages for black women in that in that subgroup demographic was $32,000 a year. So like, what are we talking about here, right? When we When we talking about having all these conversations around like, what we want to do, what our financial goals are, $32,000 in the United States is living in poverty, right? So like, for absolutely. Real. I think for individuals that mostly make up our communities, right? And our, in the black community, right? Money can actually help us achieve a level of happiness that we've never been able to, right? When you're literally just struggling to survive in this country, when you're literally just struggling to be able to afford to keep your family fed and the lights on, like, Mm. having money actually can buy you happiness, right? That's exactly why it's been a shame to see in 2020 what little financial assistance we were given in, in a pandemic, right? When so many other developing countries were giving their citizens more financial assistance to be able to say, we know that like job security is a problem. Healthcare is costing more, right? We know that money could have been a solution to help so many people who are really struggling through the pandemic, right? When we look at the statistics of like jobs that were lost in the pandemic, like in 2020, the majority of those were held by women. So women being like the caretakers, the ones taking care of their families, absolutely money could have brought them help, happiness, right? So when I think of money that can't buy you happiness, I think sometimes it's used as a way to say, oh, buying all that stuff can't buy you happiness. Which, no, I don't think buying more material things will buy, bring you happiness. But that level of financial security, that level of relief, how I feel right now when I just got paid yesterday, knowing that all my money is mine and I don't owe it to anybody else. And I can do whatever I want with it. I can go out and buy whatever I want. I can say I'm going to invest in this. The markets were red on Friday. I could have just bought up any stock that I wanted at like literally like historically low prices. Like I think like, the Vanguard total stock index was like under $200. It hasn't been that low since like 2018, right? Those are the types of things that bring me happiness. And now that I have money freed up because I'm debt free, that has totally changed my outlook, right? I wouldn't be a few days away from being able to relocate to another country if I didn't have the means, right? So that's mm. why I say I don't agree with that quote because I think that like money can be a tool that can bring us incredible happiness when we are strategic with it. And when it's in alignment with the things that actually bring us joy and happiness. And for me, that's having freedom. That's having time wealth. That's having location freedom and, and having the freedom to say what I what I want to do today with my life. Like I can choose mm. to do that because I'm not required. I'm not, you know, relying on somebody's paycheck to afford my lifestyle. Definitely. So you said you're about to go live abroad for some time now. You got you know you gotta touch on that. We can't just let you get out of here without touching on that. Yeah, so before I go, yes, I am actually days away from embarking on a new journey. As someone who is a lover of travel, I really felt like it was becoming 
more difficult for me to travel freely being in the U.S., being in New York City. And I think just also for my mental health, I was feeling like I wanted a change of pace, right? I wanted a way to really say, I'm debt free now. I can considerably lower my expenses, um, taking advantage of geographic arbitrage, which is essentially earning a high dollar and using it in a place with a weaker local currency. So if I can take the salary that I'm making in the U.S., where I was already a high earner in New York City, and move to a place where now my expenses are 60% or lower because I'm not paying New York City rent. I'm not paying, you know, to eat and live and thrive in New York City under COVID. What does that mean? That means that the bulk of my money can go towards, right, what I've been saying, saving and investing towards getting closer to that fire date. So, so that's how I'm thinking about it. And also just like saying, like, what am I waiting for? I think if we have, if we're in a position where we're listening to this podcast right now, that means that you survived 2020 when so many other people didn't. We've been given really a gift. Not. And if you're not going to like show up every day for yourself and like the things that bring you joy and fulfillment, like you're not living, you know, it's it, like we've all been given a gift to, to have survived that. And I think for me, that just set me on fire to say, I know that I want to do this. I, I've been thinking about slow travel. I've been thinking about living abroad but just never felt like the time was right. But now it's like work is remote. I'm debt free. I know that I want to put, I know that I have the discipline to say the bulk of this money is going towards investments, period. That why not? What, what's stopping me from doing it besides myself? So I just said, F it, I'm going to move. So yeah. <laughs> I literally like found a subletter from my apartment. I moved all my stuff out of New York City. I'm actually mm. home with my parents for a little bit. And yeah, I am preparing my move. I was literally just talking with my expat coach right before we got on this interview. And yeah, my plan is to live abroad. I'm starting in Mexico, starting in Tulum, but I'm open, you know, open to visiting other places. There's just so many places that I want to see even in Mexico that I, I'm just kind of giving myself this window to say, so let me work my nine to five. Thank God I'm in a position where I can still work remotely. I'm still going to be building my business. Finance is not going to stop, but I'm going to do something that I've always wanted to do and just take that leap of faith and and show other people that it's possible. I love that. I I really love that. And I hope you have a great time. Please be safe out there. Yes, absolutely. I I definitely appreciate your time here. And thanks for joining us on FY Fly the Podcast. Please let the audience know where to reach you. And if you have any final words. You can reach me on Instagram at fly.nance. That is where I am giving you daily tips on how to travel hack and build wealth. And if you're listening and you want to follow along my journey to live abroad, absolutely, I'm going to be documenting my journey. And be sure to also check me out at www.flynance.com. That's my website where you can learn more about me everything that I have to offer and ways to get in touch with me. And in terms of my parting advice, I would say that I hope that everyone listening really takes from this conversation that we are in a position to build wealth, right? That's not saying that I'm saying everyone listening here is going to be the next Jeff Bezos, right? Like that's not the goal. The goal is not to just be hoarding and greeting wealth, but I'm saying that there's enough abundance out here that we can all come up, right? That our Definitely. children don't have to live the same lifestyles that we lived, right? And that keep in mind that you were put on this planet to do more than just show up, go to work, pay taxes and die. Like, I just don't believe that that's all we were put on this earth to do. So that's why I'm so passionate to talk about wealth building to say that in addition to whatever lights your soul on fire, let's also take the tips from this podcast, from the work that we're doing to also say, let's put ourselves up financially so that we have more stability security and we can take struggle out of our family's history period that's how i feel thank you so much for having me i would love to come back in the podcast maybe at the end of 2021 and we can just kind of reflect on like how the year has gone and and, you know just continue to show people that like okay we we doing this like we're we may not be where we at where we're gonna be in terms of like retiring early yet but, oh, remember, this is part of our legacy right now. This this uh-huh. podcast will be a reminder to people that, like, we might have started here, but this is not where it ends. Big facts. Big facts. We going up all 2021. Period. Yes. Thank you so much yes. for having me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So now we're going to take it back to Remy G and me for one of our favorite segments called Did You Know? Let's go. Welcome back. Welcome back to FY Fly the Podcast. And y'all know what time it is, or maybe y'all don't, but me and Mr. Make a Play finna let y'all know. 
Did you know, on average, 10,000 sky miles are worth $100? Did you know, the U.S. is the only country in the world without a required pay vacation or holiday? Did you know, on average, 61,000 people travel a day? Did you know, there's enough fuel in the plane to power a car around the Earth four times? Did you know, 50% of Americans book their flights on mobile phones? Did you know, you can lose 60 fluid ounces of water in your body from a 10-hour flight? But to wrap it all up for my fly folks still locked in with us, I know everyone says to live below your means, this and that, but living below your means does not mean to not live your life at all, because we only got one of them now. I think the way we should look at living below your means is just finding creative and innovative ways to do the things that we already enjoy to do. Facts, and that's where the travel hack can come in, bro. I know everybody loves to travel, but we not trying to blow our whole bag for a five-day vacation. That ain't it, nah. So make sure y'all took some good notes and actually apply these methods y'all learned today. Yeah, do that. And definitely check out Miss Sinead on her Instagram page at Flynanced. She's steady dropping travel hacking and personal finance gems, and she then actually relocated to Tulum, Mexico. Living her best life for real. On me. She's been living there since February, I believe, so definitely go tap in with her. So from Remy G and me... Hold on, CEO. Gotta give him some action steps. You right, you right. My fault, General. So make sure y'all actively trying to raise y'all credit scores, getting negative items off your reports, and paying down debts so we can get into that 700s club. And once we are over a 700 credit score, then we can start tapping into these travel rewards cards and start moving like the smart and wealthy do. Also, check out cashback sites like Ibotta, Swagbucks, and Upromise. And don't forget to make you a sinking fund when planning to travel or set you some goals up on the FY Fly app and website coming soon. So from Mr. Make a Play and CEO Sonny, stay safe. Stay invested. And stay fly. Thank you all for listening to FY Fly, the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week for more financial literacy insights with our special guests. Please visit our website, social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at FYI Fly Podcast. That's FYI FLI Podcast. See y'all next week and stay fly. But don't y'all go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned as each week here on FYI Fly, we like to give independent artists a place to shine and gain some exposure. And this week we have No Hatred by Harrell Williams. Let's go. Tree.